right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Nobody. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family, I'm the site manager over at Denver Stiffs. Right now, we've got a whole bunch of great content coming out, the season in review content that you're looking for, player profiles. We're going to be going into some more discussions on roster building at various points and where the Nuggets need to improve, what the other teams in the NBA are doing, and how Denver has to respond. And on this podcast, the the last episode, of course, I went through the guard rotation. And, And for those of you that were confused, I'm breaking this down into four categories. It's the guards, it's the wings, it's the forwards, and it's the bigs. And those four categories aren't necessarily representative of the positions that those players should play. It's what they did play for Denver this year. So players like Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes and Will Barton, they're in this category. They aren't necessarily in the guard category, despite the fact that on many teams, they they probably would be. Denver is a very small team on the perimeter. Uh, All of the guys that they have that you can really categorize as guards, they're not wings. They're people that you're hoping to discuss with the with the guard section, but Denver didn't necessarily have the wing size to match up with a guy like Clay Thompson in the playoffs. Uh, that's why Aaron Gordon was being tasked with doing so much in the playoffs as kind of a, a wing defender, despite the fact that he's best as the four. He's best as a forward defender, which is where we'll be talking about him on Friday. But for now, we're going to talk about four guys. Talking Bryn Forbes, Will Barton, Austin Rivers, and Davon Reed. Davon obviously didn't play in the playoffs, but the other three did. So we're going to talk about them, and we're going to start with Will. Uh, I'm going to do this in the same process that I did last time, and that is going to involve answering five separate questions on where this player basically is within the Nuggets organization. And obviously, we haven't talked about Murray, Porter, Jokic, we know what those guys are going to be looking like when they're healthy, uh, I I have to imagine. But for some of these other guys, the, these questions and these, uh, these positions that they're in right now are tentative because everything can kind of be worked around the core. So you have to talk about these things and be honest about what the Nuggets actually need, what they're looking for, how they can get to the next step. And that might involve changes. So with that in mind, let's start with Will Barton. What were his responsibilities this year? He was one of the guys that had to step up for the vacated scoring and playmaking of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. He was the starting two guard this year, played a lot at the three as well, and mostly was the leading perimeter scorer, the guy who took more shots, more possessions, than most of the others. And it wasn't by this massive margin that I think a lot of people are thinking it was. Uh, He was pretty comparable with Aaron Gordon and Monte Morris and uh, Bones actually took more possessions than Will Barton did while Bones was kind of leading the bench unit. But Will, he was a piece of the whole. And the team basically devolved into Jokic is going to soak up the majority of these possessions and then everybody else is going to be kind of a a piece around that puzzle. And so Will, being the starting two guard, 
he had to do some of that scoring, some of that playmaking, while also holding up his role in perimeter defense. Now, is that his ideal role for what the Nuggets need him to do and for what for what uh, for what Will is capable of? Probably not. At this point, he's probably best as a bench scorer. Uh, he's now 31. We are going to talk about where his trajectory looks like later in this segment. But for right now, it does sort of seem like Will is transitioning into a lesser role, or at least probably should. Did he succeed within the role that the Nuggets laid out for him? He had his moments, and I think like the general consensus on Will is that he failed in his role this year. You look at the numbers and you look at what he did and, and how he had some good moments and had some good scoring and production and facilitating with Jokic. I think the answer is no in whether he succeeded or not, but it's closer than people want to believe based off of what was expected. His defense was a lot larger of an issue than the offense, and that's what we're going to come back to ad nauseum in this segment or in this uh in this episode because he was the mark defensively against the Warriors several times. He was a step slow. He wasn't able to keep up with the miss the mix mix and matching system that they have, the screening, the movement, the cutting. And then sometimes even when it's simplified and he was having to guard pick and roll, he might get caught on that too. And so Denver, they needed somebody who could step up on the perimeter in the playoffs, and they didn't really have anybody that could. Austin Rivers was the only guy that you were thinking of. Well, you're starting two guard, especially if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter are there, that guy's got to be good defensively. And so we're, we're going to talk about this, but it's, it's kind of an unfair game with Will, but, but this is what the Nuggets are going to need going forward, and he can't provide that. He did have some good offensive games, but not in the playoffs. He shot 31% from the field on drives in the playoffs where he drove into the paint. And the real kicker here, the one that I think it, it kind of puts the nail in the coffin, he shot one of 13 on pull-up jumpers in the playoffs. That's 7.7%. And for a Nuggets team that needed any semblance of perimeter scoring, with the with the amount of attention that Nikola Jokic was taking against the Warriors, they were running a box and one against him to the point where you, you saw these possessions late in games where Jokic screened for Monte Morris and both guys got stuck to Jokic because of their box and one. Denver needs somebody who can be a perimeter scorer. And that was Will's job. That was something that he was supposed to do, and he didn't do it. Not to the level that most people would need him to. He was a good spot-up shooter. I I think that people miss that, and they honestly miss the boat that that is basically what Will's role has turned into. He is more of a floor spacer now than he is a slasher. But the Nuggets need a slasher. And they needed somebody that could get into the paint, could create easy opportunities for other people. And Will just couldn't do that. So you ask me what his trajectory is? It's trending down. The minutes, the role, whatever you want to call it. He's 31 years old right now. And the the minutes, the miles, they are starting to show on his resume. 
and it is turning him more into a floor spacer. And that floor spacing role, when you think about what teams need within their starting unit, you can't just have a floor spacer unless you have stars. And that floor spacer can't be a weakness defensively. Think about what the Miami Heat are doing right now. They're currently starting Max Struess, and Tyler Hero is coming off the bench, and Duncan Robinson, who they paid a bunch of money for this last offseason, he isn't even playing. He can barely get off the bench. But Miami, they know that they need to lock in defensively in order to match up with some of these great teams. And is Will a better player than Duncan Robinson? They're probably comparable. Will was probably slightly worse. So you've got one team on one side that has been able to figure out the role players for cheap and has trusted in those guys. And the Nuggets, they haven't been able to do that. Now that might change this next year when they're healthy. But the point is, is that it probably has to change. Something has to give. So is Will a fit for Denver's plans next year? He's under contract for one more season. The simple answer is no. Will is not a fit for a starting role. That is the simple truth of it, that if the Nuggets are serious about getting better defensively, then they have to improve their personnel because it's not going to come from internal. And just adding Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, that's going to make the offense even better. I think there's there's no question about that based off of the level that Jokic is currently playing at. But is it going to make the defense better? No, I, I can't imagine that it does, or at least not to the degree that it actually matters in the playoffs. So Denver's got to find a way to improve their personnel. And if Will is willing to accept a bench role, or and if that's something that he can be okay with, then maybe they do that. But right now, what I'm thinking of is that's probably just the easiest spot where you upgrade on your perimeter defense. And it sucks. It's too bad. You don't want to ever see this. But it is the right call. And I think it's time. Onward to Bryn Forbes. And we'll talk about him before we hit a break. What were his responsibilities this year? Bryn Forbes was traded for by Denver January 19th of this year. I think people think that it was a little bit earlier, but it was actually that Denver had played basically half of their season at that point. And when Bryn Forbes arrived, his responsibilities and they kind of remained were as a bench shooter, somebody who could take up attention and a floor spacer, just somebody who you can't really leave when you are just playing the nuggets. You can't just give that guy an open shot or else you are in trouble. Was that Bryn Forbes' ideal role? In all likelihood, yes. I, I think that if you are a team that has strong defensive structure, that has good principles, that has good creators around him that can simplify the game, then yeah, like that, that makes a lot of sense for Bryn Forbes. Was it great for Denver's bench? I don't think so. And I think that's one of the reasons why when Bones took over and you see Austin Rivers playing well, and Davon Reed was a guy that that was playing at the end of the season. Having guys that could play a little bit more defense and could do a little bit more with the ball, that probably made a little bit more sense for a team like Denver. Now, does that change if guys are healthy? Probably. Probably so. 
did Bryn Forbes succeed in this role? Yes, he did. Uh, pretty much his his numbers were basically identical to the Spurs splits that he had at the beginning of the year. About 41% from three, not really doing much else, but the shooting that he provided gave a layer to Denver's offense. And he was a defensive disaster. I know there's nothing really around that, but he still won a couple of games for Denver when he got hot, including a Golden State Warriors game at the end of the uh, right before the All Star break. He had like 22 points, 21 points or something, kept Denver in the game, and then allowed them to make a winning play right at the end. Now, that is Bryn Forbes in a nutshell. He's a defensive disaster in a lot of different ways. He's undersized. Best defending point guards, but he's not quick enough to defend them. And he's not tall enough to defend twos. So is he going to be a permanent mainstay in a rotation? Probably not. But he does know his exact role and will play this exact role for a team for at least next year, potentially longer. We don't know how well he's going to age or not, but I assume it's going to be pretty good. And teams are going to be able to trust that. They're going to be willing to go after that at least as like a, a 15-minute guy off the bench. Now, is he a fit for Denver's role and Denver's plans next year? It probably depends on the rest of the roster. And one of the things that you look at with Denver is that they just have a lot of guards, not necessarily true wings. And if Bryn Forbes is playing the two and sometimes the three, that's an issue. That's definitely not something that Denver can do. They can't handle that defensively. But given that he's the size of a guard, if Denver re-signs him, trades a couple of their guards, moves a couple guards, whatever, and then adds a wing or two, then you might be able to be in a situation where Bryn makes more sense than maybe somebody thought. But we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what that looks like. I'm not sure if, if he's a great fit because none of Denver's like he might be a good fit next to Jamal Murray as as Murray defends a little bit bigger guys. He's going to be stronger when he comes back. So maybe he defends some of the the tougher matchups in that. But your role players are supposed to make the game easier for your stars. And so you think about what I just said, Murray coming off of a torn ACL, you want to make things easy for him. And so if you're making things easier for Bryn Forbes, that's not great. Like that's not like what are you really paying for? So I think that Denver has to improve their defense. And can you do so if you are giving Bryn Forbes, Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Bones Highland, if you're giving all of those guys significant backcourt minutes, I just don't think you can tangibly improve. So my guess is that he probably doesn't come back, but there is a possibility. So if that trio changes between Murray, Monte, and Bones, then maybe something does change for Denver and Forbes, but I consider him more of a depth piece probably rather than a regular guy. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of he's the fifth guard as opposed to the fourth guard, maybe that changes perspective. I'm not sure. I kind of assume that he'd want to play and there will be places where he can play and might fit a little bit better but we're going to have to see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss Austin Rivers and Davon Reed and the seasons that they had. We'll be right back. 
right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, obviously, that would be fantastic. It really helps me out. As we get into the offseason, I am I am more than willing to accept your ideas, your requests for different episodes. I know I got a request on Twitter to do a little bit more of a financial episode and, and kind of talk about and, and some of that might be just more Twitter specific rather than podcast specific, but I know there are a lot of people that are concerned about the tax tweets that I had over the course of uh Tuesday. And there are a lot of them. And I think Denver, they're definitely in a situation where they have a lot of things to think about from a, a roster improvement standpoint, and they have some restrictions that I'm a little bit more concerned with than I guess other people are. But I just tend to think that some of these things can can definitely be discussed a little bit more. And as the Nuggets move into this phase where everything matters, I'm going to talk about just about everything. And we will see if that ultimately bears some fruit. So let me know what you want to hear. Let me know what you're wanting to, to think about. And I will get on some guests as well who can help me break some of those things down. All right, let's talk about Austin Rivers. Let's talk about uh, a player that Denver picked up a little over a year ago in, in actuality. like Austin Rivers was a guy that they brought in to replace Jamal Murray, or at least like give them another variable that they could throw out there. He wasn't necessarily supposed to be as important as he was, as he ended up being. But his responsibilities this year were as a defensive ace on the perimeter, somebody who could match up with the opposing team's best players. And then as a closer, uh, being a part of those fourth quarter lineups eventually that included Morris, Barton, Rivers, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. That was probably Denver's best closing lineup and their most consistent closing lineup. And you could definitely see where he fit into that as a guy who didn't really touch the ball offensively, but was a very strong defensive connector for what the Nuggets needed. Now, was that his ideal role? I actually think yes. And and this comes from a guy like like Austin Rivers wasn't known as a defensive guy when he came out of college. He was a scorer, he was an ISO guy, he was a Duke guy, somebody who was the the one-on-one specialist and he ultimately he was good at that and, and did some good things with the Clippers and did some things with the Rockets. But ultimately as he's gotten older, as he's tried to find more of a place in this league, to stick around for a little bit, he has transitioned into what the Nuggets have needed him to do, and that is as more of a situational defensive guy. Now, did he succeed this year? Early on, no. Like This was definitely, he was a guy that everybody was upset that Bones was not playing over him because Faku was going to be in the rotation, you knew that, but Bones He's kind of a a guard who could be pretty helpful, dynamic on the offensive end. Rivers wasn't dynamic. He wasn't a guy that Denver needed from an offensive perspective for a bench that absolutely desperately needed offense. And so Rivers got benched at one point and wasn't necessarily in the lineup every night. And and there were some matchups that he just wasn't good for. 
But then as Denver transitioned Bones into being the point guard, they needed an off-ball defender, somebody who didn't need the ball in his hands but could be a quality defensive player. And so Rivers kind of became that that helpful piece that coaches that coach relied upon throughout the season. Usually it was Faku in the middle or in the early to middle parts of the season. As the year went on, it became Austin Rivers. He was the guy that Michael Malone went to for those closing clutch minutes. And I think he did really well. He delivered in a lot of those situations. In the playoffs, Rivers struggled in games one and two, just like everybody else. That that seems pretty clear. And he couldn't really keep up with Jordan Poole. That was a that was a pretty definitive thing. But in games three and four, he was so much better. And he guarded Steph just as well as anybody in Denver really could have. And he did a fantastic job of gluing himself to Steph, making sure that he was a part of things on both ends of the floor, keeping guys honest. And did a fantastic job. And then he got hurt in game five and Denver went out. So it's not necessarily his fault. And I do think that there is something to overuse. And potentially the reason that he got hurt was because he was playing so many minutes in a row against such a difficult setup. A difficult system and player to match in in Golden State and Steph. But if he had his role reduced just a little bit from that, then I think there is a very strong potential that that is what his role should be going forward. But let's be honest. Offensively, not good. 12.6% usage rate, 54.6% true shooting, which is below average, 34.2% three-point, which is slightly below average. It's fine, but like when you get only wide-open threes, you should be shooting better. And he also had a career low assist rate, so he just didn't really do anything creative with the ball and didn't really get others involved as often. So he's just not a good offensive player. Like at this stage of his career, or maybe maybe it was just a this year kind of thing, but really didn't feel like he had a good offensive year. And so a lot of people latched onto that. A lot of people latched onto the lack of stats that he would put up. And in the advanced metrics, he looked awful. Like there's no there's no comparison on Denver. Like it was either Austin Rivers or it was Jeff Green who looked the worst in the in the metrics department. But I don't think those matter as much for the supporting cast players, especially players that don't have the ball in their hands that often. Like you need to just watch the game and see it a little bit better. And would there be a better guy that they could add? than Austin Rivers? Yeah, probably. There's probably better fits and more talented players, more like just perfectly sized wings rather than Rivers, who's just 6'4". But I do think that he fit the role of what Denver needed as well as they could have asked him to. And that's that's really where we're at with him. What is his trajectory? He hasn't turned 30 yet. He's still 29. And though he has played the same number of minutes or close to it as Will Barton, it does feel like Will has had these more serious injuries and has been kind of sidelined a little bit more and has a little bit more mileage on him. Rivers is handling those miles just a little bit better at this stage, but it doesn't mean that he's drastically different. Like he's still he's still older. Now, 
I think that he still has one to two high energy defensive years left. And that kind of plays into my belief that he is a fit for Denver's plans next year. He's a free agent and Rivers can obviously choose where he wants to go. He's unrestricted. And there's only like Denver can actually offer him a significant amount of money because they did re-sign him last year. But I don't think that he's going to cost that much. Like he should be a guy that is in the three to five million range per year in all likelihood, just slightly more than a minimum deal. But you get a pay raise for what you did and you get to come back and play a similar role. That should be fine for him. But I would try to move him to a guard spot as opposed to a wing spot. And what I mean by that is he played so many minutes as the bench three and a ton of minutes as kind of the the guy who defended the bigger wings for Denver. Denver needs him to defend some smaller players and chase around those guys a little bit more, use his size in those matchups a little bit more, and that might help him. It, it might help him have some better matchups offensively too. So we'll see if he can do that. Uh, I, I would prefer to see that if he could move to a guard spot, but Denver's got some limits to what they could do. They'll probably stay on the wing. But I do think that more offense around him, if he's a starter or in bench units where you've got some staggers, that'll help him insulate just a little bit, and he's going to look pretty good. Now, let's move to Davon Reed, who is a very interesting player. And I, I pulled some numbers over the course of these last couple of days for Davon that I think are pretty interesting. He led the entire Nuggets team in effective field goal percentage on true on a on pull-up jumpers. And that is just such a fascinating thing from a two-way guy. And it wasn't really close. Like he he lapped the field for Denver, which probably shows a little bit more of Denver's weakness from a pull-up shooting standpoint, but it does show a massive strength for Davon Reed. And I am very excited to talk about some of those numbers with him because I think that Denver wants him back. So his initial responsibilities this year, he was not a guy that anybody expected to do anything. He was not on a roster. He was on an Exhibit 10 deal for the Grand Rapids Gold with Denver. And then he signed a 10-day, multiple 10 days in fact, and proved his worth over the course of those contracts and signed a two-way deal for the rest of the year. He's your classic 3 and D type wing. Somebody who doesn't need the ball in their hands all the time to make an impact, can defend some bigger players, some smaller players, but more often than not is switching and switching up and down the floor, trying to make things difficult for the players against him while hitting the shots that come to him when they occasionally do. Was that his ideal role? Probably. I honestly think that there's an argument that he was better in his role or in a hypothetical bench role than some of the other guys who were actually on the bench. And and that's why he played more than Bryn Forbes down the stretch. That's why he sometimes played in place of Austin Rivers or Davon Reed or, or not, not Davon. He is Davon. Uh, Bones Highland or especially Faku. Like there was just a little bit more dynamism when it comes to Davon. Did he succeed within that role? Absolutely. Like I said, he led the team in pull-up effective field goal percentage. He also shot 58% on 
shots from 4 to 22 feet, which is patently absurd. His ability to hit that one dribble or two dribble pull-up jumper from the deep mid-range, it was one of the craziest things from this season, where you knew it was going in, and he hit those shots so many times that I'm not sure it's an aberration. Like He might get a little bit worse at them as teams guard him a little bit closer, but if he's running a pick and roll with Jokic, like they're going to stick with Jokic. He's going to have some open pull-up twos, and he's one of the guys on Denver's roster that can actually make the opposing team pay for that. Now, what's his actual trajectory? And this is probably where I'm going to temper people's expectations just a little bit. It's hopefully up. It is not a guarantee that he gets better. It is not a guarantee that he improves. He is 26 years old already and will turn 27 in June. Now, there are still things he can learn. There are still things that with experience and with playing time just a little bit more, especially on the defensive end, I think there are ways that he could improve. But there is a question mark of whether this was just a hot shooting season from Davon, or is it who he is? Is this the player that is the player Denver signing going to hit 60% true shooting every single season? Probably not. And so you have to figure out whether it's coming back down to earth to be a normal bench guy, if it's going to be a scrub, if he's more of a starter level from an efficiency standpoint. Like there are definitely levels to this with him. He is more of an enigma than people realize. But I think it's pretty clear that he is a good chance to take. He is somebody that if you play your cards right and you commit to 10 to 20 minutes of him per game off the bench, then he is going to continue to improve and develop and help the team win. That's my belief. And he should be in the rotation relatively easy based off of what they had. So is he a fit for Denver's plans next year? He should be. Tim Connolly said in his his postseason presser that Davon is not going to be on a two-way contract for long. Now, whether that means the Nuggets are going to bring him back or it means somebody else is going to try to sign him, I don't know. It's very possible that another team tries to poach him from Denver because of their financial situation. But he just expired from that two-way contract. He's a restricted free agent. Denver can retain him, hopefully for cheap. And he's just another guy that you you add and hope that he helps you marginally in ways that you need that you didn't have this year. And what I'm going to say, six foot five and at Davon Reed size, it's bigger than six foot two or six foot one or five foot ten if you're talking about Faku. Adding somebody who looks a little bit more like an NBA caliber wing is probably a good idea. And especially if you could get Davon Reed for cheap, you should probably try and do so. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss Denver's wing rotation, where they can be better next year, where they must be better next year. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
All right, back at it. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate the love and support, as always. Thank you so much. All right, let's get into the wing rotation. Let's wrap up this conversation here. I think that there are three main things, just like with the guards, there are three main things that when you think about Denver's current rotation, Will Barton, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers, Davon Reed, those are the guys that they played most of their time at the two slash three. Where does Denver's wing rotation improve? Where do they have to get better in order to become a championship contender? The first thing is size. And that's something that is obviously entirely external. It is not an internal thing. You cannot control it from an internal perspective. Now, there's like the only real thing you could do is draft somebody. And there, there's going to be options for Denver. I'm going to be looking at the draft a little bit more closely. We'll probably have on Asher Levy from Denver Stiffs to break down the draft a little bit. Maybe some other draft experts around the NBA. But the most likely thing, the most tangible thing that Denver can do is in free agency and trades, find some players that have a little bit more size. And what I'm talking about here, Bryn Forbes is 6'2". He is guard-sized. Austin Rivers, 6'4". Bigger guard, slightly bigger guard, but mostly guard-sized. Will Barton, 6'5", but skinny. A little bit more like he's, he's close to a wing, but not quite like not quite traditional wing sized, I think. And Davon Reed, six foot five, a little bit thicker. He's probably like I think you could say wing for him. In my mind, the ideal size of an NBA like playoff caliber wing right now is six foot five to six foot seven. You want longer wingspans. You want players that can go over the top of the opposing team. You want guys that can take advantage of switches onto guards and mismatches and. They're still quick enough to beat the centers from a quickness standpoint, but they're strong enough and big enough and tall enough to overpower the guards that switch onto them. And what I'm thinking about that, the players, the types of players that I'm thinking, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, Clay Thompson, um, Kevin Herter from the, the Atlanta Hawks. He, he seems like a good candidate there that's a little bit more middling but just of that size. And there are some other guys that kind of broach that gap a little bit, like Anthony Edwards. He's 6'5", maybe even 6'4", but he's built like a freight train. And so you can make up from it from a, a size and physicality and athleticism standpoint, but you have to be a certain range. And Denver just doesn't really meet that criteria. They have a group right now that is just smaller. And so adding size is a really big thing. Adding disciplined defense is a really big thing. And Denver should probably get better at this. Like there are definitely ways that they can, but is Will Barton going to really change? Is Bryn Forbes going to really change? The answers to that are no. And Austin Rivers, if I, in my ideal world, I would move him from a wing to a guard spot. So you're really only looking at Davon Reed. And so can he play more minutes and be better on defense than the other guys? Yeah, for sure. Like, there's no doubt. The bar is not high to clear. But this is a group that needs more than just that small internal improvement. And while Davon was a better defender, 
than Will and Bryn. I think he's a, a little bit overrated defensively just based off of what actually moves the needle. And so Denver needs a needle mover on the defensive end, and especially at that wing spot. Like I talked about guard defense on Monday. This is more important. This is drastically, drastically more important because your guards, at least those guys, if you've if you've got a hypothetical group of Murray, Bones, and Monte, at least those guys are giving it back offensively. Denver's current wings are not, at least not to the degree that you need them to. So they need to scale a little bit more defensive, and they just haven't so far. So Denver's got to figure out a way there. They've also probably got to figure out a way to improve the dribble drive game where the guards cannot be the only guys that are creating. Will Barton, he was doing some good things during the regular season, but like what I talked about, 31% on drives uh, from a field goal percentage standpoint in the playoffs against Golden State, that is horrible. That is so bad. And the pull-up jumper to boot, like he, if he wasn't getting to the cup, then the pull-up wasn't efficient. And so any of those possessions that he used where he touched the ball and dribbled it were not good enough. So Denver's got to upgrade there. That's the, it's really the simple truth. So there's a lot. There's a lot to think about here. There's a lot to talk about here. In my mind, I think this position group needs to be revamped. Denver has long neglected their wing rotation. At the beginning of this season, Michael Porter went down. That's true. P.J. Dozier went down. That's true. Those were the only guys. Davon wasn't on the roster. You knew that this was going to be a potential issue. And with P.J. Dozier, who has an injury history, with Michael Porter, who's a forward who's not even a wing, who has an injury history, Denver needed more stability at that time. And I was very concerned that they didn't have it. They had an opportunity to trade for guys at the trade deadline, decided not to do so. I think that they could have improved a Justin Holiday of some sort, an Alec Burks, a Danny Green, somewhere in that tier of player. Josh Richardson got moved for Derek White. Both of those guys would have been helpful. Denver has had opportunities to improve in the past, and they've neglected that position group for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what the logic is behind that. If there's just a there's just more familiarity and, and with Will Barton and with some of their other guys. But this is a group where they have to get better. There's no doubt to me. If you told me that Denver's guard group next year, guard, not wing, guard, included Austin Rivers in a re-signing, and it was just Murray, Morris, Bones, and Rivers, I'd feel great about that. All four of those guys can play. You don't necessarily need to play uh, Rivers every game, but all three of those other guys, they can really play. But if those three other guys are playing between Murray, Morris, and Bones, you need your wings to be defensive, capable, strong, and big. And Denver's current, if like if Denver's wing group was Will Barton once again, Davon Reed once again, Bryn Forbes, and a first-round draft pick or something like that, I would be extremely low on Denver's actual title chances. 
because that is just not going to fly. Like Denver's defense is not championship caliber at that point. You could just take that to the bank. Now, is their offense going to carry them through the day? Are they going to score no matter what? Maybe. And maybe that's good enough. I would not like to bank on that. I think that Denver should find some options to give them some more defensive oomph. And if they do have that, then they could survive an injury or two or six like they had this year. Now, hypothetically, you say, all right, say that you give this group a revamping. You have Cantavius Caldwell Pope in a trade. You sign Charlotte's Cody Martin to the taxpayer MLE. You re-sign Davon Reed to a legitimate contract. And then you draft the 21st overall pick as a developmental piece behind those three. Then you're pretty happy. It's not like KCP is such a massive upgrade as a defender over Austin Rivers or anything, but he is a massive upgrade defensively over Barton. Cody Martin, somebody who could legitimately close games for Denver. And if you could get him for the taxpayer, Emily, that's great. Davon Reed, I want them to resign him. I think that he's a guy that they could really use and could really improve. And then the 21st overall pick could be a lottery. It's a lottery piece that Denver's done such a great job of drafting other positions. The wing is the one that they haven't. You've had Bones. You've had Murray, Porter, Jokic, all these other positions. Go draft a legitimate 3 and D wing. Somebody that you can develop. Somebody that's athletic. You can do that. And it's fully under Denver's control. If they were to do those things, then I'd feel fantastic about their chances. Fantastic. Am I expecting all of those changes? No. Am I expecting some changes to Denver's wing rotation? Yes, because it definitely needs it. I think you have to look at it honestly and understand and appreciate what Denver actually needs. What they need is size, athleticism, and defense. Go get it, because I don't think you're going to get it here. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by nobody. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, I'll be back on Friday, going to go over the forwards. I'm skipping, obviously, Michael Porter. I skipped Jamal Murray for the guards, so keep that in mind if you're looking out for that. But we'll also be talking about that from the perspective of, hey, what are they going to do with Zeke Naji? What are they going to do with Jeff Green? How are they going to handle this? Should be fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys Friday.